0: <laughs> uh, this is gonna be okay. Did, did you record your uh, voice? Yes. Start Let's it. do this.
1: I think the first thing we should uh, say is that it's nothing magic, magical happening there, because uh, many times people just think it's like a black box of how will uh, all of these words like AI or machine learning work. Just something um, magic happening somewhere and then you get some results. But I think it's important to spread the knowledge of at least the basics of how all of this will work. So people will be more accepting towards Mm -hmm. this. A good example Mm -hmm. is how we went to the press shop the other day. And uh, it looks really
2: impressive to see these huge presses moving up and down, moving random plates of uh, different Scania trucks uh, back and forth. Mm -hmm. And uh, if if you have never seen this before, it's wow. Uh, automation is amazing this is something for our okay, geniuses is, mm-hmm. and in the end what is happening is only a rotation uh, of plates and movements uh, linear movements up and down yeah exactly so the uh, logic
1: is quite simple logic behind
2: yeah but what is automation for in general what, how do you define it i think there
0: is a little bit of two activities right there is a little bit of the image that people have in their mind of a, a factory with robots doing stuff but they are highly specialized robots they can only do one movement every time basically they're programmed to do only one motion per tucked time per rotation and they are very good at that thing but they are not intelligent in any way so i think maybe automation is not intelligence it is just first we had to do something by hand and now it's gonna
2: happen automatically you could basically say removal of ultimate, of manual work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Removal of manual
0: work in the broadest sense of the word because I th- again this image that we have in our minds of these robots, it can also be about somebody sitting behind his or her computer having to do many clicks to do some annual reports mm-hmm. uh, and uh, copy-pasting from different other reports into a new report but that could also be automated and it's also a lot of manual
2: work that we can then get rid of. That's a good point. What is the difference between automation in the industry and the automation in your normal day-to-day life? Is there a difference there?
0: I guess there can be a difference found, but I think if we look in whole of society, there's a lot of interest in any. If, if we think of this, uh, I now have bought these uh, lamps from IKEA, the trot-free. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy that when I walk into the bathroom, the lights go on automatically. I walk out, they turn off after a while in the morning. If, if it's my wake up time, it's going to slowly start to uh, become bright in my room. And if I would leave the house, the last person to leave the house, then everything turns off in the whole house. So to do this home automation is actually quite uh, hot, I feel, if you can buy it at IKEA, it means that it is integrated. So that's maybe interesting about this time Mm -hmm. that everybody is getting interested into this.
1: And actually, now that you mentioned that, it's true that actually we are surrounded by automation everywhere, like from the simplest things like going into a store or supermarket and the door just opening automatically to your car, the traffic lights, etc. I think that is
2: maybe one of the most uh, significant uh, changes that almost every human has lived and seen, the the automation of the gearbox, like how you change gears in your car from moving to manual, uh, from manual shifting to automatic shifting. Like uh, almost all of us, uh, when we started uh, driving, we probably learned in a manual gearbox, Mm -hmm. and nowadays you hardly see any anywhere. Has this actually improved our life uh, so much? I wonder. It is re- I, I think for me, I, would I think say it is so. a significant improvement.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think not only from the perspective of comfortability, because it's more, much more comfortable to just drive automatic, but also in the safety sense. If you have the automatic car, you remove this chance of just getting the wrong gear in and your car is dying in the middle of the highway, for example.
2: And also, it's even in how well the car is performing, because you can program the car, the, sh- the, the automatic shifting, so that you consume the, le- the least Fuel while, you, while you're manual shifting, you might not realize, and you go high revolutions, and then you're spending more fuel than what you need. So, it is mm-hmm. all I guess this is a, a key point in automation, right? Not only about the comfort of the user or the user experience, it's also about how it will improve the way we work today. We create a state, and then we can continuously improve it since mm-hmm. we're already it mm-hmm. from the,
1: programming it from the start. Yeah, certainly some more efficiency as well.
0: Maybe another. Topic to explore related to this is the word smart. It's oftentimes used, and also it's oftentimes a question what is smart? And maybe it can be in combination with smart automation, smart street lights. A street light is an automated machine from the beginning because it's just the, the minimum thing is the minimum viable product is that there are lights that are just going on timers and then when one is done it goes to the next one and then it goes to the next one and that is how people in one lane are communicating via the street light with the people in the other lane, hey now it's your turn, hey now it's my turn. But this streetlight can become smart when it is sensing also the world. So when there's many cars in one lane it's going to do a longer green time for those cars and then it's gonna make sure that everybody comes through this intersection more smoothly, and I think that that is that is user experience because that is people going through the intersection more smoothly, and it is also smart automation because it is yeah a little bit more advanced yes. than a timer.
2: <laughs> but is, is smart then co- directly related to automation, or is it like the next step? Want to automate something? Does it already become smart? Or do you need to do some more steps and think how then it will be improved? I, I, this was not
0: the final answer because there's another word where we see smart, like in a smartphone. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was thinking.
1: Is, smart is just used in so many different ways, like yeah. smartphone, smart glasses.
0: Let's explore some of those and mm-hmm. then we can maybe come somewhere. Because a smartphone is... A dumb phone is merely a phone. <laughs> yeah. And a smartphone is a... a Small computer that is connected to the internet, mm-hmm. where you can download any type of application at any time to get new features.
2: Yeah. Which one was the first smartphone? Was it the iPhone or...?
0: No, I think you already with Blackberry and stuff had some
2: smartphones. What was it already called? Because in my mind, when I think of smartphone, I already think of this... Touch touchscreen. Screen.
1: It was the first association, like smartphone with touchscreen.
2: Would it would be nice to know who is the actual first seller mm. of smartphone per se. The word yeah, smartphone? Yes. Word uh, which from. sellers uh, said sell it first, like wh- which company? Yes.
0: yes. The, I think smart
2: in my mind is
0: also related to the internet, like we mm. saw the internet coming in the 90s and beginning 2000s and then that does
1: something with the device. Yeah, but all phones also had connection to the internet, even if you had to pay a lot of money. (laughs) But they were still connected to the internet, so it's something more. uh,
0: What was that called? Like WOP or WOP Wop. (laughs) or there there is something like WOPB, some special internet for dumb phones where you could... Download Snake? Uh,
2: actually, if you mm-hmm. Google what's what the first smartphone was, it says uh, it didn't begin being used until 1995 because a true smartphone made its uh, debut in 1992. It was called the Simon Personal Communicator and it was created by IBM more than 15 years before Apple released the iPhone. So, actually, we are very late to the iPhone buzzword. Mm-hmm. When we were being uh,
1: born, uh, it was yeah, already. they first. had already released <laughs> the first smartphone, mm. but it didn't.
2: Of course, we will have to look what actually definition, if there is something that differentiates an old phone with a smartphone, because uh, I think maybe it's a bit blurry uh, border in the future, yeah. it's just a word that you use at some
0: point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just it's, it's interesting, a lot of things are coming together, the possibility to connect to the internet the possibility that a lot of different developers are making apps which then creates a lot of new features coming, Mm -hmm. which is the same as the Internet because the Internet is just everybody can create a website and then on that (coughs) website you can have games or features or stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And in an app it's the same, but you download it and then you have it running there. So this democratization is something that is coming from the Internet. Then we have input-output. If you have a Nokia... Phone, like these old uh, phones with only one, two, three until zero, but the snake game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <So> you <laughs> can navigate through a menu. You can play snake, but then it is quite limited to what you can be doing. And then to have a big touchscreen, that is also quite liberating and and quite a big change.
2: I think something very interesting with smartphones is how popular it became in society and how necessary it is nowadays Mm -hmm. if you don't have a smartphone it's you feel a bit isolated from everything else like you walk around any factory and every person that
1: is there will have a a phone a personal smartphone and a work smartphone exactly 15 uh, years ago nobody had a smartphone and now they are completely necessary everybody has a smartphone
2: how do you feel with the Introduction of using the phone also to perform work tasks like combining generally the phone has always been okay You had it for your professional needs when you need to call or uh, do something with someone that is in a far place But uh, today now you have the possibility to have an app that runs your Let's say your it sends you an alert when one of your machines is down. What
1: do you think about this? Mm-hmm. I think that, will, that really opens up a lot of possibilities within the world of, for example, maintenance, as you mentioned, uh, receiving alerts, and I don't think we are exploiting that enough today in our industries. Uh, I mean, as we have said, everybody has an, a phone today, but we're still running many softwares and many of these alert systems in really old computers that people have to go to certain locations and check when they are carrying in their pocket this device that has basically access to everything. Mm,
2: yeah. So basically you're carrying a, a computer on yourself, but uh, I think maybe at some point it's also a, the acceptance of the, the worker himself on, now I need to be all day looking at my phone. If, I'm, if also like my work life is connected to phone, mm-hmm. uh, I'm having lunch, I have my phone or my smartwatch on myself and I get an alarm from my machine. So it's everything I do is about work. Uh, before maybe you you were you had it a bit more separated. You had your freedom time, and when you're in front of your computer <laughs> or in front of uh, your papers, then it's, it's work. Mm. Is, is this a thing, or is it something that only in my mind? Uh, it, it, it
0: is definitely a force. Although we can, the people there is a possibility to have a work phone and a personal phone, mm-hmm. so that could bring something
1: there. But this is an issue, and I have read some studies and some papers about how. Uh, all the problems of being always connected with modern life let's say and this is an example of that and more industry related but yeah having all of that technology can also be detrimental to the person because you feel like you are always connected or always at your work if you can at any time receive uh, an alert that you need to look into something so on the bright
2: side you can uh, have live uh, communication or feedback with parts of the world and in a way that you could never do it in the previous years, like in the 80s, it's had a factory in uh, Brazil and in Soetelia producing the same things uh, and you had a change, probably it would be weeks between before you could actually communicate in a proper way Mm -hmm. what the changes were and how you can replicate them in one space or another. Today, you can live show what you're doing.
1: Uh, And and I think that the benefits mm, outweigh the drawbacks uh, by a lot, so I, I don't think that should be uh, like, reason to say no, we should not use the technology, but maybe we can introduce the measures to make sure that people still get their uh, rest time. As you said, we can have separate phones for work or separate devices. Yeah, uh, absolutely.
2: To... I don't think they are incompatible yeah. things. The free time of a worker and the, the well being of a person is perfectly compatible with technology, or mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly if you compare it even with a
0: work like an office somebody who's working in the office will have the opportunity to uh, read work emails then take a coffee on the way to the coffee machine look at personal whatsapp reply come back and continue with work i think if you have eight hours work in the day it's not that it's going to be eight hours of super focused work all the time i think there is already a little bit of and especially in the work of the future, with working remotely and those type of activities, a little bit more flexibility between those activities. And I think maybe for a manager that would be sound a bit scary or problematic, but probably that is maybe because it's the old way of thinking. Like maybe a manager is just looking at an office, mm-hmm. seeing if everybody's sitting in their desk, and then if everybody's in their desk, the productivity is maximum. But that doesn't mean anything because you can sit in your desk and be completely distracted or you can be working from home and be very productive. Mm -hmm. So that is something that also in Corona times we are starting to work with and and, and deal with more. It is funny
2: what you say about productivity, we come back to what we said at the start that maybe we can be more productive uh, with these new tools, with automation because uh, for example i think a a good example of how our lives have become easier is just by using these planning tools that we can use uh, nowadays or just uh, our outlook Mm -hmm. as a calendar where you can very easily see the availability of other people and book it while 30 years ago this process was completely manual calling (laughs) seeing, do you have a time in your agenda and many times the people actually performing tasks could not do this themselves and they needed a secretary or assistant that uh, was the person in charge of doing these other tasks. Mm. Yeah, maybe that is an
0: interesting definition to uh, to understand this, what automation and what, what smart stuff can bring. Maybe it can be an assistant to anybody. Like in a previously, if you're at the top of the pyramid, you can afford yourself a butler and a uh, cleaner and an assistant and right now we have it's also liberating and democratizing that we can all get a a robot that cleans our house and we can all there's this uh, maybe it's fun to look in the show show notes and find this ai.x or x.ai which is a plugin for your outlook and then you're gonna this is within an organization, we can see each other's calendars, but outside of the co- company, we cannot. So then this AI, it's a little big word, but it's just a little conversational agent. You can send, you can say, I want to plan a meeting with this person. Then that other person gets an email. Hey, I'm <laughs> Avi. I'm the assistant yeah. of Jim Tolman. <laughs> then you can select different times in that. Then it's going to compare with your calendar where what fits and it's gonna it can send one or two emails back and forth
1: yeah and I then, can, remember when you tried that and it started to spam all of us in the office <laughs> we <were trying laughs> but wasn't this example that you showed me where you you chatted with a,
2: a person from another company and you said i would like to book an appointment with you and he said okay look here and he sent it to his mm-hmm. website with all his uh, free available yeah. information book.: Now, that was
0: another thing from maybe Google Calendar, or now a plug-in to Google Calendar. That was also very cool, but there I was able to book a time slot in his calendar, and I could just see his calendar. That was nice, but it was not this conversational agent mm-hmm. that is integrated into Outlook. That you're basically, you can respond to an email. It's like a bot, a bot <laughs> in, 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 on a website that's trying to
2: assist you. This last description that you gave reminds me of this uh, introductory uh, video or uh, presentation that Google gave maybe one and a half years ago, two years ago, about this Google Assistant. And, and it was calling and ordering food in a Chinese restaurant first. And then it was also ordering a time slot in the hairdresser. And this uh, bot yeah. was directly interacting with humans and. Uh, things that were not expected previously. I don't know how much of uh, the conversation was staged, but it sounded so real, and uh, the person on the line would never know mm. that he, he was talking with a uh, bot and not with yeah. a, a person. Uh, yeah, I remember. Uh, I
1: saw that as well. And there hasn't been any new information about that. or I, I guess they're so. just moving forward,
2: yeah. and uh, probably the product exists, but not uh, like uh, common knowledge for everyone or, <laughs> or really. And then it
0: comes to the point that we can say we follow it up in the next uh, edition. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> uh, but uh, another question. Now, maybe we can move to the, another topic. When we started uh, today's podcast, we were saying that there are some definitions that we need to clarify. And you mentioned uh, some buzzwords, because nowadays it feels a lot like we're about talking about buzzwords. <laughs> and one of them was digitalization. Mm. If I take a picture of, of this uh, room where we're sitting right now, is it is that uh, digitalization exactly
1: it's digitization?
0: And the, uh, d- there are two English words that are trying to describe it, but they are very similar, so it can be a little bit confusing. But digitization is you take a picture and then you have it in your phone, so you have well a digital copy of it, but it is not the phone doesn't know what's happening, you Mm -hmm. cannot copy-paste it from there, you cannot really work with it in a good way, it's not a database, it's not organized, so it's not bringing a lot of value. And we're really talking about digitalization if we're also adding value to Mm -hmm. it.
1: But could an example, a simple example, be the difference between having a physical whiteboard, writing something there, and then taking a picture of that whiteboard? or using the whiteboard app for Windows. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the first case would be digitization. The second case would be digitalization.
2: Although one could argue how much can you actually do with the things that you do in the Microsoft whiteboard app. The data is also only staying there. Yeah, it's quite static. It's, it's quite limited. You can maybe
0: do like Control z go back a step so that you have a little bit more control. After you have taken a picture, you're, you have a super static image. You
1: can also add infinite number of people, for example, in, to the same environment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah but to play advocate of mm-hmm. the devil or lawyer of the devil, <laughs> yeah. you can also send a picture to a thousand people.
1: Mm-hmm. But then they cannot uh, simultaneously contribute to it. Yeah. It's
2: starting to be more and more that this, all these applications that we have used for the past, computer applications that we have used for the past years, Excel, Word, any that you can name and are very common everywhere, that you can use them in an on online version where several people at the same time uh, can interact with. I don't know if, for example, Excel 2000 or uh, Microsoft Excel 2016 allowed, it was the first time that it allowed... Uh, the, how do you say Multiple users in one uh, single a collaborative uh, document. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How good oh. is that actually? Because
0: That's, that's very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it is two different things again. I, I think it is providing a lot of value because when we're working over a long distance, we can work in the same document or even if we're in the same room and we all have the laptop in front of us, we can be really three times as productive instead of having one person pointing at the screen and saying it should be this or that and we all have the same information at the same time, but still it's sort of locked up in that application. So that that is a big downside of it, I would say. If you are writing a Word document, even if it's in the cloud, and even if it's a collaborative document, it's still very hard to start making sense of that if you would build a bigger information system out of that. So that's maybe a, a good point to make is about Databases and about going from very isolated data to more connected uh, solutions.
2: Uh, when I started at Scania some years ago, I remember the, the first uh, we had daily meetings in my group, and the first meetings I joined of uh, this team were all uh, we had a wall with uh, the day of the week printed out, and then we had post-its where we would write the top three things that we would do uh, each of us, and then. Uh, every person will write their top three. And this, was, this worked. You went there, you wrote your what you're going to do, and if someone needs to check what you're going to do for some reason because they can't find you, they just go to this room and see it. Of course, one of the advantages is if the room is booked, then you can't go in and see uh, wh- what is there, or what happens if a post it falls and then you don't know who it be- belongs to, or so on. So, so what, then we jumped to the digital version and, uh, of course, it's easier because you can even fill it in from your computer. What people mm-hmm. started doing was filling it in before they got to work so that it was already ready when we got to the morning meeting. But I think a problem that happens with this type of uh, steps forward that we maybe can call is that the first versions are not so good. And then you get a lot of problems. Someone writes something and suddenly all of the things that we filled in disappear from the program. How can we deal with uh, like technology acceptance when they are so... They have so many problems at the start and then they, the encouragement that you have to try it out then it disappears because it's just frustrating. Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> an interesting problem where I would say that we don't have to in many cases reinvent the wheel too much. I think we can be sure that we are able to use the tools that are the best. So I think maybe initially Teams, for example, the application to collaborate uh, with many different office apps in the background mm-hmm. is was originally maybe not so good and we have seen a very big transformation of that application and it's now providing a lot of value to the company. There is a competitor of that application called Slack and that has been very popular among startups and, 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 and smaller companies. Okay. Then what is happening is that we at Scania, maybe it's a little bit harder for us to then suddenly say, oh, we're going to use Slack because that is the better option right now. But then what we have seen is that Office 365 and Teams has, is bringing a lot of value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can just now lead by example and show how it's working and it, 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 it's going to work out. Look,
1: yeah. Yeah, but I agree that being early adopters, times comes with uh, yeah, all kinds of problems so it can, be, uh, yeah, it can be an issue for some people to accept this technology when in the beginning it has many errors so many problems and that can cause some users to not want to use that and not try it again even. Mm. So that, that's one but of the things. That's actually, of,
0: you know? I want to talk about my mom. <laughs> my <laughs> mom. Until like, maybe until like today, no, until two years ago, she was using these VHS videotapes (laughs) to record stuff from that was on television. Because, yeah, she was just very comfortable with that. Recording stuff on the television downstairs, starting watching in the television upstairs, falling asleep later watch again downstairs. Bringing it to different screens worked perfectly. It took also a while before this was even possible with digital television boxes. Like, it was mostly based on storing on a hard drive on one TV and not having three or four TVs in the house where you can pick up and stop different shows at different times. So because that wasn't there in the beginning, I guess she got a lot of, she didn't like it. And she said, but it's maybe good to explain what is an early adopter, early majority, late majority and laggards. This is basically a, you can make this bell curve, a a, a graph that starts small, grows very big, starts going slower down and small again. And this is basically the uh, spring, summer, autumn, and winter of a product. It starts with people being very enthusiastic, trying it out, they are standing in line for the new iPhone, they are standing in line to buy a very expensive TV that is not uh, really living up to the expectations yet, Mm -hmm. like plasma TVs. And then they are telling their friends about it and it's giving them a lot of joy. And then we have the early majority which is a bigger group of people that is seeing how these early adapters and even inventors are using this technology and then we have uh late majority and then in the end of the curve we have the laggards which are people that are stopping buying a rotary phone when they are not on the on sale anymore. <laughs> like uh, the only reason to make them stop use technology is to not sell it anymore.
2: They, they don't like change basically. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, we all three of us work at the Smart Factory Lab. So I guess in what category would we fall in the early adopters mm-hmm. or even inventors at some point. I don't know how much we actually invent, but we do try technology in different uh, aspects to try to adapt it on how we want to work at Scania. Okay. Uh, and we define actually way of working, we say we inspire ourselves in the Gartner Hype Curve. Mm -hmm. What is the Gartner Hype Curve? uh... Uh,
1: The Gartner uh, Hype Curve is this uh, basically graph that indicates the level of hype about a technology. For example, all technologies in the beginning get uh, a big overhype and we see the curve going up when people, for example, AI, uh, let's say. Or a daily example, something
2: that any user has
1: uh, the smartphone is like a smartphone example, again. Or a virtual reality glasses, I was thinking. Yeah, that's a good example. Uh, so, in the beginning, there is a lot of hype of all the people. And as soon as in the newspapers or in the magazines they start to hear about this technology or uh, internet blogs, they really overhype it. Oh, we are going to be able to do everything with this technology. This is going to bring so many benefits, etc. So, we see the hype curve going up. And then there is a point. Where the curve starts rapidly going down to the point of disillusionment, when we start realizing that the technology is not yet that good, it's it's not going to solve all of our problems. Yes. It's not uh, going to. I bought us.
2: my smart glass, my smart glasses from Google. I took them out to the street, and they didn't recognize anything. So <laughs> basically, they were worthless. There was a piece exactly. of plastic that I was wearing in my head.
1: Exactly. And uh, or I have my virtual reality glasses and. Uh, I wasn't able to navigate through my whole factory instantaneously and seeing uh, everything in real time, etc. So then we come to that low point of disillusionment, the lowest point of the curve, and then we start to realize, okay, maybe this technology this does not solve all of our problems. It's not as amazing as uh, some people promised, but actually it is useful for many things. We can actually start to get some benefits. So the graph starts going up again. This time with a more stable and more slow slope. And uh, I don't remember exactly the name of the slope. Do you remember? Plateau you? of Productivity. That was the final uh, plateau, yeah. So we start going up the slope of enlightenment until we reached this uh, stable situation which is the plateau of productivity. And that's uh, when we have realized, okay, this is what this technology is actually useful for, and this is the benefit that it is bringing us. Smartphones,
2: where is this technology in this curve? In which part of uh, the curve would you place it? Very far in the plateau. In the plateau of
1: productivity for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's uh, so
0: easy to communicate. But we
2: are still finding so many uses for phones. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, that is why it's not so black and white. There can be specific applications that are still going up this curve. And that is also, I think, could be a little bit our role where we are not looking at the technology at large but really going on application level and trying to assist people as good as possible but i think maybe we should uh, now go into the last section of this talk i wanted Uh,
2: to ask we are in 2020 almost 2021 what are mm -hmm. the most significant uh, digital tools that you see at scania and that you see in your daily life office
1: 365 (laughs) okay yeah why why We use Office 365 daily for almost all of our tasks, from simple Outlook appointments to Teams meetings, especially in these corona times. Uh, We have Teams meetings all of the time. We are in different groups. We are storing all of our files or of our projects together. We can easily collaborate with others. So I think that's at least in terms of time usage, I would say Office 365. Is by far and better. everything
2: that is behind that because we also have a lot of applications that we might be using without knowing it for example sharepoint Planner. power bi reports yeah. yes
0: and there's a lot of that this has transformed the company a lot and this is only something that we started realizing recently <laughs> and, and we guess within production and logistics there's mm-hmm. a lot of more
1: embracing to be mm-hmm. done and uh, justin uh, we joined two years ago and you think of really how much has this Teams environment, this Office 365 environment, has changed the way we work. Mm-hmm. I remember when we started, we used <laughs> Skype chats. <laughs> uh, like yeah. Every once in a while, you would uh, make a Skype call or uh, send a Skype chat. Uh, and it I'm was very s-
2: interesting walking through Oskar Sham some days ago and walking next to a team in the production assemblers. And they, one of the operators was sitting in a computer looking at his tasks from Microsoft and uh, looking at what tasks he needed to do. Yeah. Uh, maybe that is already moving far away from using these post-its and boards yeah. into having it digital
0: yeah i think it is a nice road ahead
1: yeah i think that's super nice uh, environmental yeah marking the way forward